It's political correctness gone mad. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Weird Thing About That, where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and have to find the weirdest, coolest or funniest story on that subject. Our stories will be scored by a head judge and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris and joining me today, having just crawled out of his spirit box, Chucky. Yo. And having just crawled out of Van Widdicombe's box, ciao. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, of Hello. course, our head judge, Joe. And if you can please reveal today's subject and how it will be scored, please. Yeah, once I've finished dry retching. Uh, in a rare change for us today, we are going to discuss goodness. Like, nice things. Oh. And the winner of this will be awarded the George Michael Medal. Because uh, uh, while he was a deeply troubled man, only after his death did we realise what uh, a genuine top geezer he actually was. Mm. Uh, he did a lot of charity, and Andrew Ridgely, who was essentially a charity. Hmm. And he didn't bang on about it. And also, Fast Love is a fucking banger of a tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he snuck it, a swear word in, and it was played on Radio 1 for weeks before they realised. Yeah. That's cool. That is cool. And who's going Good. first? You can. For my story on goodness, I'd like to talk about something that gives me the feel-goods, and that's just how amazing it is that we're here at all. Fair warning, I'm going to be throwing around some big numbers in this story, but please bear with me. Firstly, let's t- take a look at the time we are living in. If scientific predictions are to be believed, the last stars will die out in 120 trillion years from now, give or take a few days, followed by 10 to the power of 106, that's 10 followed by 106 zeros, years of just black holes. Condensing that down, that would be like the universe starting with one second of stars followed by a billion, 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 billion years of darkness. Stars are the immediate after effects of the Big Bang, like a quick one second flash that we somehow managed to exist within, on a relatively small, correct temperature planet full of food and water. But living in the correct time and space doesn't mean that coming to life is easy. In fact, it's been calculated that your odds of existing as you in your current form are basically zero. Imagine there was one single life ring thrown somewhere in one of the oceans, and there was one single sea turtle in all of the oceans swimming underwater. The probability that you came about and exist today in the same as that turtle sticking its head out of the water inside of that life ring on one try. This accounts for the odds of your exact ancestors meeting and procreating with the right people, leading all the way down to your parents meeting and conceiving you. The conception itself requires a correct egg, chances around 1 in 100,000, connecting with the right sperm, chances around 1 in 4 trillion, so that you were born you, and not your brother or sister. This not only applies to your parents, but that the correct egg and sperm had to match up in every single conception for the entire length of human existence. All considered, the odds of you, being you, are 1 in 10, followed by 2,685,000 zeros. As children's author Dr. Sayers once said, there is no one alive who is youer than you. It also boggles my mind that every single decision you've ever made throughout your lifetime, every possible butterfly effect that could have happened, has all led you down a route that has ended with you listening to four idiots in a room doing this podcast. Woohoo! So next time you're feeling down on yourself, just think of the sheer unlikelihood that you are here at all. The world will never know another you, and I think that's pretty amazing. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. So, when you say throwing a, a life ring, 
into the ocean and having a turtle like pop its head out. <laughs> you know, that that does sound you know quite poetic and also like but isn't it more like you're throwing an almost infinite amount of rings out and maybe there's still only one turtle but it's going to pop up and it's going to pop out of one but the chance yeah. of it being your ring is going to be like this is it your yeah. your odds it's not like one followed by 200 million zeros or whatever of there being this or nothing else. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's the also the odds of it being very slightly different, but you're not the same as you. You're born your brother or your Man, sister I'm, or I'm not stoned enough for this. I <laughs> know. <laughs> the one that gets me is Am I me? Am I the only version of me? Or would I be me? Oh fuck as again. somebody else. Right, there's not enough weed. <laughs> no, there isn't enough weed in the planet for this, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, could I be yeah. a different version of me? Could your consciousness I, I am... be inside a different body? Yeah. But that's a whole political, uh, political. No, it's not philosophical, philosophical for, for... thing. We're not uh, going. Down. I don't remember when Doctor Zayas was writing children's books. I thought he was just uh, playing the piano anymore. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't before. Yep. Uh, Doctor Seuss, I believe. Doctor Seuss. <laughs> I did right. We all, we all we all literally <laughs> went. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a look online how you pronounce his name, and it's apparently like Zoice or something <laughs> weird. But I thought, gets, if I gets, say that, do not listen to REM. He gets a shout out in Sidewinder Sleeps yeah. tonight, and a reading from Doctor Zeus. I wake her up. Yeah, it's like Michael Stipe was in the room, yeah. then, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, again, this is big numbers. Um, this isn't a topic for this. Like, <laughs> like, this is far too big for a light-hearted it bullshit fucking yeah. <laughs> thing like but the, the universe stuff I like that because that is always like nothing you do matters to take it away from you are especially unique snowflake nothing you do will ever matter in the grand scheme of things have you ever seen the, the, that picture I used to have it uh, up Blue in my classroom the picture from Voyager 1 yeah. and it's um, you can see it's like it's, it's a, a small it's a square of darkness. Yeah, no, it's, it's literally a couple of pixels. Yeah. The thing, and he's like, that's Earth. So it's Earth taking a take wasn't it, maybe. Wasn't it Carl Sagan who asked them to turn it around and take the picture? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just literally, bloop, and it's the rest of it is like the Milky Way and, right. yeah. and everything. And it's just like, this is where, you know, Julius Caesar... Um, all of human history, all of human, the yeah. T Rex, yeah, everything, everything, everything happens, you've ever you, known has been you're on that. On this. Everybody you ever loved, Darth everybody you ever known, David Hasselhoff, yeah, uh, microwave pizza, all the good stuff, <laughs> yeah, oh all of that exists pizza. there, and yet we can't get on. <laughs> like we're still arguing about just about Joe Rogan podcasts. Well, that's not going to make the cut, <laughs> but yeah, oh, over just absolutely useless shit. When yeah, again, not to reference Bill Hicks three week three weeks in a row. But if we put all the money that we put towards military and like unnecessary stuff and use that to feed and clothe the homeless of the world, we could explore the universe forever as one race. Nice. Ciao. In 1988, on an episode of That's Life, host Esther Ransom began a piece on a scrapbook found in an attic by the wife of a man called Nicholas Winton. The scrapbook had lain in their attic for nearly 50 years. The scrapbook contained the details of hundreds of Jewish children who had been brought into Britain from Czechoslovakia just days before the Second World War broke out, organised by Mr Winton. In the television segment, Esther Ranton highlights one of the names, a ten-year-old girl by the name of Vera Diamond. She goes on to explain that until the production team contacted her to say her name was in the book, 
She was unaware that Winton had been responsible for arranging her safe passage to England. Ransom then states that Vera is in the audience and is sat next to the man who saved her life four decades previously. She turns to the man with an expression which exudes joy, appreciation and, ad and admiration. She thanks him, kisses his hand and embraces the man who saved her life. The next month, they filmed another episode on the same topic. Esther Ranson asked the audience if there's anyone present who owes their life to Mr. Winton, and if so, if they would stand up. Half the audience proceeds to stand, each with a similar expression Vera had a month previously. If you Google Nicholas Winton and search videos, the top result is a short edit of the two scenes I've just described. Watch the video. If you watch the clips without having to ask if anyone is cutting onions, then I would have questioned if you have a heart. Nicholas Winton was born in 1909 in London. He followed in his father's footsteps and became a banker later a broker. In December 1938, he received a phone call from his friend Martin Blake asking him to help to cancel his skiing holiday and instead go to Prague to help Jewish refugees. Winton accepted the invitation and found the situation dire. Thousands of refugees were living in dire conditions and desperately trying to flee Poland as Nazi forces loomed. In order to safely evacuate the children to England, three things were needed. A family willing to take in the children, a £50 processing fee, equivalent to around £3,500 in today's money, and a visa entrance. Winton went back to England and began sourcing families to adopt the refugees. He took out adverts in newspapers to find families willing to adopt the children and raise funds, and began applying for the requisite visas. Thanks to bureaucracy and a blasé attitude from the British Civil Service, who failed to understand Winton's sense of urgency, insisting nothing of significance would happen in Europe for months, they took far too long processing the applications. Winton knew that Nazi forces could invade at any time and so began forging the documents needed to get the children into the UK. His insistence that time was of the essence proved all too true. His last attempt was arranged for September the 1st, but on that day Hitler invaded Poland and all borders controlled by Germany were closed. This put an end to Winton's rescue efforts. The 250 children on the plane disappeared, never to be heard of again. Despite this setback, Winton was responsible for saving the lives of 669 children who survived the war and went on to live lives all over the world and form families of their own. Nicholas Winton received a knighthood for his efforts in 2003 and died peacefully in his sleep in 2015, aged 106. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. I've seen the clip before, I know what you're talking and it's, it's, it's a beautiful scene. I didn't know the story behind it. Well, I obviously knew the concept of the story behind it, but I didn't know exactly what had gone on. I didn't know he went to that sort of... Um... That trouble. Yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah, so he forged documents and just basically organised and arranged the logistics to get all these people back. But the most remarkable thing about it was is that nobody knew anything about this for 40 years. It wasn't until his wife or another family member went rooting around in the attic and found all these documents and was like, what the hell is this? Um, yeah, it's I almost think... like going back to the... George Michael thing that you said it's like no one really knew no. how good because he wasn't just boasting about it he didn't do no. it for views I think he, or he mentioned it briefly it was... he ran and failed to get political office in the 60s I can't remember who he, I think he was ran for like the liberals or something in the 60s um, and he was like oh I, I did some you know I tried to save some people in the war and, and I was successful and people were like alright oh, cool okay we're not going to vote for you though we're going to vote for somebody else um, and so he just was like, Meh, maybe maybe nobody's interested in this, but he he's gone on to be considered like the British Oscar Schindler, and it was 
Um, there's a really, really good documentary about it. Um, the Power of Good, I think it's called actually. Yeah. Uh, and it just it goes into a lot of detail and explains the logistics of it. And he was just he was just like, shit. There's a humanitarian crisis here. I'm gonna give up a lot of my time, a lot of my efforts, a lot of resources, and I'm gonna try and get as many of these these Czech children into the UK as possible. Um, and it's not it's not until you look back on it like years and years later and you go, holy shit, like what he did was fucking monumental. Like it was for like I was saying, he was forging visa documentation. Yeah. He was trying to for he was trying to find I mean the logistics as well, there's a war on and people are, you know, you're asking people, will you spend three grand to get a Czechoslovakian kid into your country and then look after him, please? He he was yeah. you know, it was a logistical operation and he just he just organized it with the result of he saved hundreds of children's lives. Um some of them went on to be like I was going to say like obviously they all went on they lived you know a lot of them lived in Israel and America and Europe and Australia they went all over the world and there are thousands you know there are tens of thousands of people alive today who can attribute their their life to being alive today because they saved his you know Nicholas yeah. Winston saved their grand, uh, grand granddad but it was it's, it is it's an amazing story it's well worth researching and looking a little bit into mm, uh, I mean there's, it's, it's hard to wrangle jokes out of this isn't it no like, I, don't, know what I, mean? I don't really want to um, but it is that thing of there are points when we all could stop the world so mm. have fun trying to follow <laughs> that you should have said oh, that boy. was a sad one we could have ended on it sorry <laughs> alright <laughs> So anyway, vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back in the room. <laughs> there are only a few examples of things people consider universally good. And even then, there are caveats to most of them. The first thing that pops into my mind is KFC chicken skin. That signature <laughs> blend of salt and fat is a slam dunk for so many people. But I know at least two people who would swipe left. Other ideas of goodness come from good PR, like Mother Teresa. She was a saint, apparently, and much like the Bermuda Triangle, Pogs, and ancient Indian burial grounds, Mother Teresa seemed to come up weekly in my younger life. (laughs) Though, if you do a little bit of digging, you'll find that you'd likely want to swipe left on Mama T2 to really get the money's worth out of that analogy. However, there seems to be one good thing that's universal. One good thing that no one would argue about. I'm working my way to the big reveal that is good bacteria. Now, good bacteria in itself is a bit of a difficult concept to grasp. When you hear bacteria, you think of the mestos in killing 99.99% of the bastards. I mean, bacteria is inherently bad, right? The bad bacteria is responsible for all sorts of nasties, like streptococcus, pneumonia, meningitis, food poisoning, the list goes on. But then what about the good bacteria? Well, the health benefits are ranging, normally combating things like IBS, ulcerative colitis, eczema, and Crohn's disease. So how do you get on top of your, you know, how, you know, how do you get a top up of your goodness? Well, you know, you got cheese, beer, chocolate, ooh, a bit of yogurt, but those pesky scientists, all those little rascals, have found a more effective way of getting some bacterial goodness up inside you. Fecal microbiota transplants. <laughs> or FMT for short. That's right. A legitimate treatment that has been trialled for chronic illnesses like IBS involves transplanting someone's poop into your internal plumbing. The old school method for doing such a thing would involve an FMT enema or a colonoscopy. But who has the time for such things and such discomforts? 
There is a company now that is researching a technology that encases the poop into an orally consumable sarcophagus. Or a crapsule, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff is truly mind-bending to me. First of all, the idea that people's poop now has some kind of qualitative value that is sought after by medical researchers, but also that each and every one of us has some kind of raw material resource waiting to be tapped. You know, providing that your bacteria is good. There is even promising, but early, research being done to suggest that taking a few poop pills could help with all manners of other disorders, including arthritis, asthma, autism, chronic fatigue syndrome, colitis, Crohn's disease, eczema, fibromyalgia, insulin resistance, mood disorders, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and psoriasis. If this is true, you could be telling your moody friend to take a poop pill instead of a chill pill one day. (laughs) But since it's early days, we really don't know if it's going to become a reality with poop pills being sold on every street corner with street urchins beckoning you to get your poop pills 12 for a pound or if the scientists are just full of shit either way i think from now on i'm going to be wondering about the potential monetary value i flush on a mostly daily basis and i think that's not only tragic but a bit weird (laughs) gentlemen your rebuttals mostly daily mostly daily yeah you know, sometimes I treat myself. Do you know? Do you know? Like, save you... it up a little bit. What? <laughs> just, just try it. It'll change your life. I can't. I, I, I eat one meal a day, and that literally goes straight through me. Then, <laughs> jeez, Joe, I don't know how you call that living. <laughs> also, I don't like this because I can guarantee you, if it is, it turns out to be true, like the eating other, like little, you know, desiccated pieces of poop. You know for a fact that there's going to be like a fucking Nicki Minaj poop pill, isn't there? There'll be celebrity so pops. Get your game yeah, it's back a little game traction, won't it? It's like with all the, yeah, all the <laughs> poop pills. All the people who just. Was, like when Donald Trump was advocating injecting bleach for the COVID thing. I, I, they'll be, they'll be, yeah, if I don't want to People will be like, eat other people's raw shit. It's the best thing for you. So this yeah. is why it has to be ensconced in a sarcophagus. Or a crapsule. I know. It has to get <laughs> to the You're running, running, running that one into the ground there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have um, to. Like, a scatcophagus would also work. Scatcophagus! <laughs> Wait, a pile on. Yeah, you, see, well, you didn't even think of that one, did I you? I didn't. Yeah, no. see, it's Jenga jokes. Because, <laughs> uh, like, the, the yogurt thing, like, because you have. Onkin. Onkin. Yeah, Yalcassi Immunitas. Actimethodus regularum. Yeah. It's all bullshit, isn't it? Well, like, apparently not. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, well, I'm not about to discredit somebody I might be getting an endorsement from. <laughs> but I'm fairly certain to say... I don't want some. your money. <laughs> no, no. Oh. Yeah, apparently certain people you, have certain you good gl- You gut flora and fauna do definitely have... There is some correlation between your gut flora and fauna and your digestive health and your health and well-being overall. However, will drinking your Atomel have wonderful scientific No, because your body no. will just destroy it. Well, I, well, I think that. It's going, where's it going? It's going straight to your stomach acid, isn't it? So most of it's going to get killed. That's why you have bile and stomach acid is to kill all the bacteria yeah. that goes in. It's it. easy to think of our bodies as us being the only living thing, but mm. there's trillions and trillions of bacteria all at work doing different things all around your body. It's fucking on your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, they can't, and they can't poop either. 
the face. The, I think it's they live in your eyebrows. Uh, they, yeah, the little tiny mites, and they, they have yeah. no anus. This anus. sounds like a conspiracy <laughs> theory. I don't know to what They end. have no anus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so when they die, they just like explode poop. They're, they're, they're wow. literally tiny microscopic. So you like, eat until yeah. you're so full that you explode. Yeah. What a life. Ah, oh, mate. It's like Mr. Creosote, isn't it? Yeah. There's some pretty cool bacteria. Like uh, I actually coincidentally read a story like just the other day, and it was about the American Civil War, and there was some soldiers on the battlefield. Like, the battle ended, and people were injured. Night fell, and some of the soldiers noticed that some of the wounds were glowing, and they called it Angel Glow at the time because all the the soldiers who had these glowing wounds made it back alive. And got treatment and went on to live, but it turned out there was some like rare bioluminescent bacteria on the battlefield Whoa. that also sort Ooh. of um, disinfected the, the wounds and stuff. It's, it's, rec- yeah. If you look up angel glow, I think bacteria, in, the, in the Civil War, if you were injured, you were like ninety percent likely to die. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of seen as a miracle, especially because it was nighttime <laughs> and the glowing. Uh, sort of like, there was a, I can't remember his name. There was a surgeon. Who uh, who was like maybe we should wash these knives and stuff, guys? And they were like, "Boo on you!" <laughs> they put them in a sanatorium. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were like, "Yeah, maybe we." Because he was like, "Maybe wash your hands." And Why wash are people these dying? Animals. Well, this guy's just had his hands in a cadaver, and then he goes and delivers a baby straight away, and then yeah. the baby and dies. Then he's having a sandwich, Why? and then like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they would show up with like knackered old rusty saws and shit, and he was like, yeah. "Maybe we should clean these." And they were like, "Boo! Germs aren't real." Frenchie, <laughs> yeah. Fake. But they reckon the original. They reckon hundreds of years before um, the Western medicine found uh, penicillin, the um, people in Arab countries would uh, they would they would have mold growing in the saddles of horses, mm. and people would take this mold and just rub it on their wounds, yeah, and it just healed it. And it was basically it was, but, it was uh, penicillin, penicillin, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was never. Obviously, nobody had peer-reviewed science on it, so it wasn't until hundreds. Apparently, of years all went, oh, penicillin right, okay. all stems from one single fruit. I'm gonna have to look up what the fruit was. Probably a banana. But all the culture came from this one specific fruit that they just bred through time. And it's oh all no, come... probably a pear. Because they're wasn't, fuckers, it was aren't something they? weird because they were all trying to. Once they discovered it, it was really hard to actually grow in any like decent usable numbers. They're like, it does work, but it's really expensive and it takes forever to grow. And then I think they were all bringing in different samples of things that could possibly grow mold. And I think it was like the cleaner of the place just bought in this weird fruit. I'm going to have to look at what it is. It's just some guy with like a Domino's pizza. Oh, <laughs> it was like, like some sort of golden, sort of gold, sort of orangey looking fruit they bought it in. And it was producing penicillin about 100 times faster than anything really? else that they could find. And they were like, this is amazing. And then they cultured that one fruit and every strain of penicillin that we use today has all come from that one Mm. Fruit. Persimmon fruit, maybe. That's orange. Mm. Or a sharon. It could be a um, one of the little tiny ones you get on like puddings in like a Chinese restaurant. Lychees. Lychees. They're no, they're more orangey, aren't they? Actually? No, they're like the the spiky red ones that you peel and the red. No, ones. I'm not thinking of them then. The orange ones that are like they've got leaves around them. Yeah. Oh god. I know I what you know mean. They I can't ah, Christ! Called. They're called like they've got a really bizarre name. Kenneth fruit. <laughs> cantaloupe, yeah. it was a cantaloupe a melon? that's a melon the single best sample was from a cantaloupe Cantaloupe. sold in a fruit market Cantaloupe. in 1943 what the fuck are they, like, no not lychees what the bastard are they called mm. 
They've yeah, got a little, really distinctive taste. They're like yeah, little orange. Tiny little orange. Um, yeah, about, balls. about that big. Yeah, yeah. they're like, 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 a, like a rose hip. Yes. It's not a rose hip, no. It's not a rose hip because they're red. They're called... Uh, I'm going to find it. Jiminy Christmas. You just finish it, Chris. <laughs> no one cares. We can't, we can't if you know, if you know what if this you know fruit what is, this fruit is <laughs> contact us on Twitter Kumquat. at Weird Thing Pod. What? Kumquat. No, Kumquat's the tiny oranges. What were you just That's describing? What you asked for? No, it's like a little it's like smooth skin. It's like a berry. Yeah, it's got it's like like I know what you mean. You have them on Chinese like desserts. Yes, and stuff. I know what it is. But I, I don't. don't know it was is. a lychee, but they're the ones that look like eyeballs. Yeah, yeah there's the spiky yeah. ones with a weird uh, texture. Fasalis. There we go. Thank you. Where? Hooray! For Salas. A phallic chrysalis. Loop. Kenneth Loops. If you know of any weird fruits, contact us on Twitter at WeirdThingPod. <laughs> Keep it clean. <laughs> who won? Oh, yeah, who won? Yeah, I was going to say. Obviously, we who, know won? who won? Jesus we Christ. I can't not give, give the... <laughs> George Michael Medal of Valor to anyone other than the man who rescued loads of children. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Agree. The fact that you had to ask insults me greatly. <laughs> poop pills and something about jizzing on a turtle. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will see you next episode. Weird thing about that. Family friendly comedy. It wasn't blue.